0: So what we'll do, we'll just sort of touch on um, the key thematics that we're seeing in the technology space, um, you know, the horrid coming year 22 that it experienced, where we see things currently, and uh, obviously some reporting season uh, key picks from ourselves. before I pass up to Nick. So this is just a list of our coverage, not exhaustive, but the, the stuff that falls under the sort of the tech umbrella. I guess the key takeaway from this slide, obviously, is on the right. You see how it's sort of underperformed terribly for, on a 12-month basis. But I guess on a one- and three-month basis, it's actually um, performing quite well. I guess starting off, I mean, no real surprises. Tech obviously um, underperformed quite significantly. The index itself was down about 35%. Cash burners performed even worse, down about 75% for the year. Um, but we, we know we know what happened. It was inflation, um, interest rate rises, obviously compressed valuations and multiples. Um, and we saw a pretty distinct flight to, to quality and liquidity over the year, um, and we also saw sort of the cash burners have to pivot quite quickly away from, from rapid growth to more capital preservation. Um, you know, I guess from there, we've also seen you know, a pretty pretty strict focus on costs, more um, so in the, in the sort of employee rationalisation space. So, I mean, we track a, a website called layoffs.fyi. You know, it's about 160,000 redundancies last year, year to date, it's already at. I checked this morning, actually, it's already at 94,000. So we saw the likes of, you know, Meta, you know, cut their workforce by about 13%, Twitter half their workforce, Google losing 6%, Microsoft 5%, and it doesn't look like that's going to abate anytime soon. Um, yeah, there was actually an interesting quote from Zuckerberg last week in one of the internal meetings that they got leaked, and um, you know, in response to a question on on the continued sort of cost out, he said, you know, I don't think you want a management structure. That's just managers, managing managers, managing managers, managing managers, manage, managing the people actually doing the work. Um, so I suspect there's more to come on that front. Um, in December, we actually decided to update our step view from underweight to neutral. Um, Nick spoke on this just before Christmas, but um, just to reiterate the reasons behind that, um, But we, we, we believe there will be sort of interest rate stabilisation and normalisation in, in due course, And, you know, quality tech can grow through recessionary periods. Austerity tends to breed efficiencies and productivities in these companies. So they're forced to adapt pretty quickly. Um, You know, we also believe tech will once again outpace industrials in terms of growth. Um, You know, EPS growth for industrials is about 5% in FY23, but it's pretty much flat in FY24. Um, We think tech can actually outpace this growth. Um, you know, we see the likes of REAC and car sales actually flexing their pricing power, you know, upping prices, um, you know, sort of taking advantage of their sort of scale and, you know, benefits of being the number one player in their respective markets. Um, we also think, you know, the era of free capital is over. These cash burners have cut costs and are now focused on becoming free cash flow positive. You know, the likes of Megaport and Airtasker have often actually talked to, you know, key dates on, on reaching that free cash flow positive number. Um, whether or not the market sort of believes them is yet to be seen, but there is a, a pretty strict focus on reaching that as the market's pretty much demanding that from them. Um, and finally, you know, we all know small cap is, is unloved at, at this point in time, particularly in tech. Um, we have sort of private equity and VCs with plenty of dry powder looking to deploy capital. So at some point we think MA is going to underpin valuations um, you know, we've seen the nitro bidding war, the ReadyTech um, offers withdrawn by PEP. That's still a work in progress. And obviously, um, Coles is talking on the Tyro Potentia um, deal over the last sort of few days as well. That, that's sort of getting a bit more media attention. Um, so, I mean, just real quick, well, why do we think interest rates are abating? I won't step on Tangy's toes, but um, suffice it to say, the you know, the, the forward curve is showing that, you know, the market's actually peeling back their terminal growth rate forecast. You know, October last year, was sitting around 4.1%. That's now sitting at about 3.6%. Um, so it looks like that is starting to stabilise. And you know, where the terminal rate will end up, we're not quite sure. But, I mean, as long as we're getting sort of a, a forward view on that, we think there's going to be a bit more confidence returning to the market. I actually stole this one from Tangy, so Thanks, Tangy. Um, he put this up a couple of weeks ago. Um, I just thought it was worth pointing out again that bottom right hand chart where uh, we talks about the EPS changes. Um, basically, uh, again, uh, you know, industrials expected to grow 5% FY23 flat in 24. But what's interesting to note is actually tech is actually being sort of um, getting a bit up. We see analysts actually revising up their forecasts, um, which have moved up about sort of four or five percent um, for their FY23 EPS estimates. Uh, This is actually probably a key focus for us coming into into this result. It hasn't been much guidance in the market. So I think there's people sort of sitting on their hands (laughs) waiting to see if management's actually going to come out with any sort of guidance. Um, People are pretty bearish expecting these EPS forecasts to come down in sort of 24, 25. Um, Could be some upside surprise there if things start to normalise, but um, it's definitely one worth keeping an eye out at the result. I'll, I'll move through this real quick. This is just the dry powder I was talking about. Uh, VC funds in the US have basically had a sixty percent reduction in, in their investments um, from four Q twenty one to four Q twenty two. The stuff I've been reading sort of indicates anywhere between two hundred and fifty billion US to three hundred and fifty billion billion of um, US dry powder in VC funds alone. That's that's ex private equity. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. There's almost five US trillion sitting in money market funds out there waiting to find a home. So um, all that being said, it wouldn't surprise us if we start to see consolidation or m um, and be a key thematic over the next sort of year or two. So what we did, um, we, we created sort of a basket of, of six tech stocks in Australia. Um, why only six? Well, the, these guys have been around 15 to 20 years. So we, we wanted to get something that sort of worked through the cycle. Um, And suffice it to say, it's it's basically trading at at fair value, having peeled back um, over the last sort of six months. So that was one of the key reasons why we upgraded from an underweight to a a neutral sector view. So basically, these are the key themes that we're looking at for reporting season. Um, You know, macro disruptions, there's been plenty of talk of U.S. hard landing. Um, Whether or not that plays out, we're we're not quite sure at this point in time. Um, But, you know, we're we're expecting, again, uh, the likes of REA, SIG, car sales to continue to focus on yield uh, as opposed to volumes. So perhaps more of a high-quality outcome in that respect. Uh, Volumes across REA um, have have sort of taken a dip. I'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, You know, listing volumes, falling, pricing power, still there. They're pulling the pricing lever. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, we can't ignore the macro um, at this point in time. So we're we're definitely going to be focused on that at the result. Um, we've spoken about the, the smaller cap guys on, on capital preservation and striving towards sort of becoming cash flow breakeven. Um, and, and M&A, as I, as I mentioned earlier, is, is likely a key factor. Um, this is just my coverage specifically um, and what I've sort of noted. Uh, I've noted that sort of the, the shorts in, in REA and SEEK have actually ticked up coming into this result. Car sales has peeled back. Um, still not massive around that sort of three, three and a half percent um, sort of mark. Why that's been ticking up, it's hard to say. I, I guess people are, are taking count of the REA volumes. I suppose the outlook commentary on that front might be slightly negative. Um, however, they will talk to sort of yield underpinning their growth going forward. They target about 10% through the cycle. Um, I expect them to talk to that uh, as well as sort of any cost out initiatives to offset those lower volumes. But in terms of valuation, these guys have sort of had a, a good sort of run-up in the last one to three months. So they're now trading at or around fair value um, on their FY24 multiples. Um, yeah, more specifically, look, Seek, I mean, it is it has been our key pick for a little while. It's, it's taken a little while, but it's actually paying off. Uh, it is a near term pick, highly cyclical. Um, so FY23 should be okay. They've reiterated guidance at their AGM. Um, that was probably a, a positive that the market wasn't expecting. Um, that was also based on you know, moderating volumes growth uh, in their the job ads, which we see to an extent. They haven't actually fallen off a the cliff. They're sitting around 230,000 jobs on site. You can see that sort of red line there. So tracking broadly, broadly similar to calendar u 22. Um, they do have a sort of dynamic pricing mechanism within their business to offset any, any volume decline. Um, we have you know, candidate scarcity, um, job ads, tracking okay, um, and sort of yield uplift that should underpin their FY23 result. So still still positive on that. Um, near-term pick, uh, a bit more cautious, sort of over sort of 24, 25. Um, car sales, it's trading a standard deviation rich, um, which is the reason why we've got it on a hold at the moment. We, we do like it long term. It's a, it's a fantastic business, fantastic management. A um, trader interactive acquisition, I think, is going to pay off for them longer term. Um, you know, fears around the US hard landing and, and recession in the US might play on that business's performance, you know, in, in the second half and maybe first half 24, um, but it is a sort of a digitally immature business. Uh, as a reminder, they're non-auto, so, you know, the power sports and RVs and commercial trucks and the like. So, um, you know, it does, does depend quite heavily on the macro environment over there, but, Digitally immature, as I mentioned, so car sales will just be rolling out their product suite across there. They've put through a couple of price rises um, that should underpin yield growth and, uh, again, offset any sort of volume's decline. Uh, and finally, on, on MySpace, before I pass up to Nick, um, REA. Uh, I guess the, the key thematic in this result is going to be listings outlook. Um, on, on our data, they've actually fallen off the cliff. Um, it had a pretty rough uh, fourth quarter um, coming to year 22. It's off to a pretty slow start. Um, I'm not telling you guys anything new there. It's a pretty tough housing market at the moment. House prices still declining. Uh, we've got the CoreLogic House Price Index down about 10%, um, you know, but it's it's also sort of important to frame that in per, into perspective of, you know, these guys, uh, the house index actually seeing a 29% increase in a 19-month period. So rapid increase, wide decrease, but we're still well up. So, I mean, the fees around negative equity in housing is, is probably overblown at this point in time. Um, but as a reminder, these guys are pretty keenly focused on costs. Um, they've been adamant and when they're talking to, to the sell side and saying, you know, even if listings do decline, they've got cost leaders to pull. Um, they've got 6% contracted price rises over to, FY22 and 23. I'd expect them to come out with new contracts at the end of this sort of, um, at the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, who knows where that could come out, you know, anywhere between sort of 8 to 10% as, as a rough guess. But um, you know, depth uptake should underpin their, their yield growth. Um, so, positive REA, there's going to be near term headwinds. So, just bear that in mind. But it's definitely one to chip away up um, on, on any pullback. Um, on that, I'll pass up to you, Nico.
1: Thanks, Steve. Uh, good morning, everyone. Yes, I wanted to start um, with zero in my coverage universe, just to remind you that the accounting firms zero and technology one both report out of cycles, So, I don't expect anything from zero. Um, but just why it has been, um, why it is the key pick is really around the valuation and the, um, the liquidity of this stock. Um, just worth pointing out, it, is, it has rallied a fair bit, but it is still at a reasonable discount to its lifetime value uh, and its uh, long-term average, although that long-term average is probably not that meaningful. Um, just something interesting at the moment, it seems to be getting a fair bit of attention as there is a bit of talk um, with the new CEO who's coming in. She's based out in North America Uh, you may recall zero has pretty much ripped up money for uh, a decade they just when i say ripped up i mean never really printed a profit because they've invested all their profits back into growth and that sounds like it will change under the new ceo so sounds like her um, incentives will be based around profitable growth and so if that happens you might see them like all of these other technology companies um, cut costs um, and all of a sudden instead of trading on a p of 200 it could be on a p of 100 um, at the moment, it's um, but going to 50 or 25 or whatever the next year because it's got such rapid growth. Um, this thing turns over more than a billion dollars of revenue, but at the moment, it's got a 4% uh, EBIT margin. So that could easily be 20% if you benchmarked it against sort of peers globally. So just to illustrate, there is um, upside if they decide to actually manage the margins in this business. Um, the next um, two stocks I was going to talk about, the next DC and Megaport, um, but I guess before... Kind of going into those details, I wanted to just talk about the three um, big cloud providers um, who've obviously reported quarterlies uh, as they're kind of one of the big drivers for both those companies. Um, this chart, you can see basically what's happening is the um, demand for cloud computing has slown quite materially in the last three months. Um, unsurprisingly, economic activity um, having a bit of a knock-on effect here. So um, we saw Amazon um, a couple of days ago just mention that they're sort of run rating about 20% year-on-year growth in their cloud business. Uh, If you went back um, even 12 months, that was closer to the high 30s. So that growth has slowed materially, um, but it is still quite a strong structural growth trend. And you probably can't see it, but in the bottom right there is just an announcement from Amazon uh, about two weeks ago saying they're setting up a major availability zone in Melbourne, in Australia, obviously, um, and that they're committing just shy of $7 billion over the next decade to... um, build out that infrastructure so just a reminder that even though this growth is slowing down a little bit there's still major tailwinds they are investing heavily and i still see that as a big positive for both next dc and megaport Um, so next dc i talked about um just recently but to cut a long story short for the share price to move we need to see those megawatts contracted start to move Uh, they'll report late february haven't got a date yet um, but we don't expect any material changes to the numbers for next DC, other than noting um, there's some upside risk on revenue. As a reminder, they passed through more than 80% of um, power costs straight through to the customers. So they would have recontracted their power for calendar year 23 late last year. And obviously prices have gone up a fair bit there. So not going to be impacting EBITDA, but potentially some upside to revenue forecast there. Uh, and then Megaport, obviously a very volatile stock and, um, and certainly not one um, for the faint of heart, but um, I think it's going to go fine in this um, February period. Number one, we know the result. And yes, people were disappointed by it. Um, there was some weak growth there, um, but the slide just before you shows that the demand for these big um, big tech projects, which is obviously what Megaport's coattailing on, has slowed down a little bit. So a lot of people questioning whether demand for Megaport's products has Um, basically declined Uh, you know can they still sell to the end customer or is it part of a broader slowdown I think it's part of a broader slowdown Um, the other two bits um, tying into the key trends um, that Steve talked about earlier just around uh, moving to free cash flow positive management did listen to shareholders and they did tighten the reins and take a number of steps to tighten costs so you put those three major things they announced before um or in the the quarterly just last week, and basically you halved the free cash flow burn. The slide on the left-hand side is my free cash flow and cash balance forecasts. And without any heroic assumptions, you should be able to get this business to generating free cash flow uh, within 12 months' time and therefore not needing equity. And I think that's the big um, short thesis still, that they need equity because the cash burn is very high. Uh, And then the second um, picture there is just around the operating leverage in the business. I think people missed, yes, they're only growing only growing revenue twenty percent a year, but uh, gross profit at forty and EBITDA at five hundred percent. So you're getting some amazing fixed cost leverage if you look at the quarterly on quarter quarter on quarter trends. So heading in the right direction. Uh, and then maybe just to wrap it up, so kind of the key picks, um, large cap. We've got Megaport, C Zero, and REA. At the small end of town, um, Ansarata. Uh, and then just a couple of comments on some stocks to be a little bit cautious of. I, um, we've got some avoids on Redbubble and Booktopia. Um, in terms of Data3, it's a name that I really like. Uh, however, I'm quite nervous, I guess, medium term on that stock because of a number of reasons. Number one, I just mentioned um, softening demand from the big tech. You saw the, um, those three big names, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, collectively, Earnings were cut by about 5%, um, say, this week versus last. So you're seeing that come off. Obviously, you're seeing redundancies flow through the tech space. So at a high level, that's a net negative um, for data three. At the same time, it has high expectations and it's a bit of a crowded trade. And then finally, you've got a new CFO starting. So love the business, but in the short term, um, nervous on that name. Uh, Technology One is another one um, that I'm a big fan of, but I just think it's fairly fully priced. It does tend to trade. Up into February is a bit of a safe haven trade, um, so one you could look to lighten a bit of that uh, towards the end of February. <music>